the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And other factors. Not a- the following program is sponsored Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. Isn't it interesting that Jesus says in Matthew 24, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. Nothing new under the sun. Just as a new suit on a street bum doesn't change the man, neither does educational, technological, or medical advance change a morally delinquent society apart from Christ. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Do you ever feel like your life is stuck on reset? Every year, every day, you're just doing the same things over and over again. It's a feeling we can all relate to, but there is a way off the merry-go-round. We're discovering that when we find our life in Christ, everything we do day in and day out takes on eternal meaning and significance. Here's Philip now continuing a message. It's titled, Going in Circles. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The last time we were together, we listened to Solomon as he uh, looked at life and its monotony. He now in verse 8 looks at life and its misery. Because as he's looked at the natural world, now he begins to look at human experience. And what holds true for the natural world holds true for human experience. Nature shows no progress and life shows no progress. And the picture being painted here by Solomon is of mankind plodding and pushing along a big gigantic treadmill, accomplishing nothing, going nowhere. That which is done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. And that plays into his argument, right? What profit does a man have for all his labor? What does he get? Is there any gain? No, there's no gain. What seems new is simply a repackaging of the old. Now, I know that jars on your thinking. And you say, Pastor, that's such an overstatement, isn't it? That doesn't bear the light of logic. And to the modern reader, it seems incredulous. How can Solomon say there's nothing new under the sun? If you compare his day with our day, it's night and day. What about the medical advances in our generation? What about space exploration? Man has walked on the moon. And how the whole world is now connected by cell phones and the internet. Someone might say, you know, it all just goes to show that the Bible is stuck on the past. It's really out of date when you think about it. And here's a statement that proves it. Nothing new under the sun. Well, hold your horses. I don't think this statement is as incredulous as you think. And I'll give you a few reasons for that. Think about this. In terms of the progress of history, 
The future is always simply catching up on the past that we lost. We once had something magnificent, perfect, glorious man in the garden with God. And we lost that world. And so whatever we're improving, we're simply improving imperfection. Whatever we think is new, whatever we think is grand, whatever we think is better, it is a pale reflection of what we once enjoyed as mankind and what we'll be found again someday when Jesus comes back. So we need to get off our high horse. We're not as far on as we think. Okay, we're extending life more and more, but we're still catching up with Methuselah, aren't we? Okay, we're traveling into space, but what about Elijah taking up to heaven in a fiery chariot? There's been space exploration long before we ever discovered it. There's nothing new under the sun when you really think about it. Plus, let's not overlook the fact advancement brings complication. The bad can rival the good in whatever that new thing is. The promise and benefits of nuclear physics has given us the specter of nuclear holocaust. And so is life truly enhanced. And the third thought here would be man's heart doesn't change. Man's heart doesn't change. Life today may look different because of all the change, but men don't act differently, do they? There's nothing new under the sun. Fundamentally speaking, Adam is still with us in the nuclear age, in the age of space travel, in the age of the internet. Adam is still with us. What do I mean by that? Well, if you read the Bible, there are two categories of people. There are those who are in Adam and there are those who are in Christ. Those who are in Adam are born in sin, are still separated from God, haven't been brought into a relationship with God through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Those who have trusted Christ for forgiveness and for heaven itself are now in Christ. They're no longer in Adam, they're in Christ. But those without Christ, the majority of people in our world, they are in Adam, they have inherited his sin nature, they go astray from the womb. Psalm 58 and verse 3. And like generations before them, every imagination of their thoughts is corrupt and perverted. And so while man in one sense makes things better, in another sense he ends up making things worse because as time goes by, he becomes a smarter sinner. And that's why history will end where it started, in conflict with God. There's nothing new under the sun. Isn't it interesting that Jesus says in Matthew 24, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be. Nothing new under the sun because man can't change apart from the transformation that is brought about through faith in Jesus Christ. Just as a new suit on a street bum doesn't change the man, neither does educational, technological, or medical advance change a morally delinquent society. We're better off? Yes, but we're not better because Adam is still with us apart from Christ. We still haven't gained what we lost with all our advancements. With our advancements comes cost and complication and conflict. And at the end of the day, fundamentally, man hasn't changed. 
That's why the Christian will want to cry, Maranatha, even so come, Lord Jesus. That will bring change in the natural order and among human history. Although it does remind us, doesn't it, that while there can be no real change or lasting change apart from Jesus Christ, change can be found in Jesus Christ. There is the hope of a new heart and a new creation in the promise of the gospel. Men need a new birth. And that's exactly how the Christian life is described, isn't it? By the Lord Jesus in John 3, verse 3, speaking to Nicodemus, he says, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Life begins in new birth. Life begins when you and I bow the knee to Jesus Christ and own him as our Savior and our Lord. Christianity is not a turning of a new leaf. It's the beginning of a new life through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's exciting. In the midst of life where nothing is truly new, there are those who are being made new. Their marriages are being made new. Their hearts are new. Their futures are new. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passing away, and all things are becoming new. In a world where there's nothing new, people are becoming new, and they're waiting for a new world to be ushered in beyond the days of Lot and Noah revisited at the end of history. No new level of education, no leap in medical or technological discoveries will bring us to that place of utopia. That will be ushered in by Jesus Christ, but you can get a taste of heaven right now by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Last thought, life and its monotony, verses 4 through 7, life and its misery, verses 8 through 10. But here we have in verse 11, life and its mortality, Solomon goes on here in verse 11, there is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. Here, Solomon is picking up on a point he made earlier, verse 4, one generation passes away and another generation comes. The generation that comes after that generation forgets the generation that preceded it. And that's rather, again, depressing. It raises the question, what is the point? What is the profit to life under the sun? What does man get for all that he does, all that he labors towards under the sun? Not much. Because Solomon here in verse 11 is saying, we work endlessly, but we never seem to get anywhere. We figuratively ply the sea. Plus, we work hard, and yet whatever our accomplishments, whatever our achievements during our lifetime, they will soon be forgotten. How encouraging is that? That was a a smack up the face of a king because the kings of the ancient world sought to build palaces or fortifications or monuments or roads or cities so that their, their name would live immortally in the minds of the people. They would be reminded of them wherever they went. But while that's the hope of every king, Solomon believes that life doesn't work out that way. That for kings and for paupers, 
One generation comes and one generation goes, and there is no remembrance of those who have gone before by those who come after. Solomon is basically saying that a man's life and a man's legacy has no more staying power than a footprint on eastern sand. There one minute, then the sands blow over it and it's gone the next. You wouldn't even remember someone had been there. You wouldn't even see evidence of someone's footprint. And Solomon was an old man, remember, when he wrote this book. And now he's troubled. He's troubled at the thought of his legacy. He's troubled by the thought of the fading canvas of human memory. This is something we'll pick up at different times. He picks the same thought up in chapter 9 and verse 5. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing, and they have no reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Solomon is waking up to the harsh reality that the succeeding generation always suffers from historical amnesia. Solomon is saying, hey, old things seem new to the next generation because they've forgotten the generation before them. That's his point. That's why he goes on then to make this last point about life and its mortality. Generally speaking, the dead man and his deeds, no matter how great and no matter how grand, are forgotten. Isn't that what David laments over in Psalm 31 and verse 12? He seems to be forgotten. He's going through a time of trouble. No one seems to be coming to his aid. No one seems to be comforting him. And what does he say in Psalm 31 and verse 12? I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel. And it's just salt in the wound. It's misery piled on top of misery. But you see David's acknowledgement. I'm like a dead man, forgotten, overlooked, I think one of the greatest examples of this in the Bible is Joseph. What do we read in Exodus 1 verse 8? We read this striking statement. And there came a king in Egypt who knew not Joseph. Isn't that amazing? I mean, here's Joseph, the savior of Egypt, a hero. Someone who should live in the folklore of Egypt, Egyptians for centuries. But not long after Joseph's death, there came a king who knew not Joseph. In fact, I was watching Fox News the other day, and they were doing a test in Times Square, and they were showing some pictures of, of pretty high-up politicians. And, and 75% of the people didn't even recognize them. Talk about being forgotten when you're dead. <laughs> Most politicians haven't even wormed their way into the minds of the present generation. They're forgetting them already. No interest. And all of that is disconcerting, disorienting, depressing. Although, let's be honest about it. There's, there's good news in that and there's bad news in that. The good news is, if you're the kind of person that worries about what people think about you, don't worry about it because they won't think about you. <laughs> so that's the good news. All right? The bad news is if you're the kind of person who lives to be famous and known and, and to make splash uh, yourself on the headlines of, of life, a bad news for you. You're a one-day wonder. You're, you're like the, the daily newspaper. You're just out of date by tomorrow. There is another perspective to keep in mind because remember, Solomon is playing devil's advocate, right? He's making an argument for 
Here's how life looks when heaven isn't brought into the picture on earth, when man severs his activity from the work of God. But there is another perspective. There is a celestial perspective, not just a terrestrial perspective. And things change in this last thought in verse 11 changes because we have a God who doesn't forget his people. We are written on the palms of his hand. And he is not unjust, according to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, to forget our labor of love. We are known to God. We are remembered in heaven. And our deeds will be celebrated someday, unrewarded in eternal joy. The wicked will be forgotten, no doubt. But the righteous and his righteous deeds will be remembered everlastingly. Look at Proverbs 10 and verse 7. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. And that's just one example, and you'll get it again and again and again throughout the Scriptures. That the wicked will be forgotten, their names will be cut off, their remembrance will be blotted out, but the righteous, those whose names are written down in heaven, will be remembered. And their lives and their deeds will follow them with consequence into the next life. In fact, have you ever thought about that story of the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 16, verse 19? Some take it to be a parable. I actually believe it's a true story. Because Jesus usually doesn't name people in a parable. But in this story, he talks about a certain rich man who goes on named and a certain poor man called Lazarus. And in this life, Lazarus suffers evil things, and in this life, the certain rich man enjoys good things. But the tables are turned at death because that rich man was not rich towards God, and he died a fool. And the Bible says that when Lazarus died, that he was carried to Abraham's bosom. But when the rich man died, in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. See, the who's who of this life will become the who's not of the next if they haven't linked their life to Jesus Christ. And it struck me one day when I read that story that Jesus left the rich man unnamed. You better believe he had a name, but to Jesus, he was an eternal nobody because there comes a time at the great assize, at the great divide, where Jesus will have to say regretfully, remorsefully, depart from me. I never knew you. You have no name in heaven. Isn't that a terrible thought? Maybe someone here who doesn't know Jesus Christ, and if they die unrepentant where he is, they cannot be, and they will become an eternal nobody. They will live forever on the backside of God's goodness and grace, lost amidst the caverns and abyss of that place of utter darkness. Eternal nobody's destined to have no name forever. But those of us who know Jesus Christ, those of us can look back to that time or that period when our lives changed, when we came and repented of our sin and put our faith where God put our sin in the Lord Jesus Christ, things were different. Our hearts were changed and our destinies were swapped. I told you a story about two men. Let me tell you a story about two other men. 
two brothers, one named David and the other named John, and they both shared the name Livingstone. They had very different goals in life. John Livingstone dreamed of being rich and famous. Young David in Scotland dreamed of following Christ, and both achieved their goals. John Livingstone became a rich and famous lawyer in England, and his brother David Livingstone became a medical missionary in Africa. Both lived out their dreams. But you know what's interesting? If you go and visit the tomb of John Livingstone, you'll find these words etched on the headstone. These are the words he chose for his own headstone. Here lies the brother of David Livingstone. Isn't that amazing? I've got to be careful here, but I wonder, is there not a recognition in that, that I live for the wrong things? My brother lived for the right things. The things that uh, death cannot steal. The things that won't be lost for all eternity. He has a name written down in heaven. Here lies the brother of David Livingstone. Let's pray. Lord, Solomon has dragged us through the hedge again dunked our head under the water, leaving us breathless, almost lifeless, as he has reminded us of life and its monotony and life and its misery and life and its mortality, that in the endless cycle of life, we never seem to get where we're going like the sun never seems to set ever, like the wind that never seems to stop in its tracks. Though God, our eye has never seen that which has satisfied us, and our mouth has never tasted that which has satisfied us, our heart has never felt that which has satisfied us, our body has never enjoyed that which has satisfied us. Life is laborsome and wearisome. And to cap it all, even our achievements and advancements that are really not that new are certainly not lasting. The generation comes and the generation goes, and life seems so insignificant, futile, vain, and empty. But, oh God, we thank you that the sun breaks through, and life above the sun changes the complexion of life under the sun. And we thank you for the new heart that can be found in Jesus Christ, the new life that can be enjoyed, and the everlasting legacy that is ours in him. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. A prayer anchored in the truth of Ecclesiastes. You're listening to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's message is titled, Going Around in Circles. You can order this message on CD when you call 888-644-8811. And remember, all the messages in the Quest for the Best series are archived at ktt.org. On our website, you can also connect to our Facebook page and use Facebook to share Philip's messages with friends. You can do that by downloading the KTT app and posting messages or texting them directly to your friends. Do your part to help others know the truth. Learn more at ktt.org. Now, at Know the Truth, it's our mission to share God's Word using every technological means possible. That's why we're on the radio, reaching out to people in your city. That's why we're on the web, where a worldwide community can discover the truth that sets men and women free from sin and shame. And that's why we provide monthly Bible study resources. 
and you won't want to miss getting this month's book. It flips Ecclesiastes upside down to explain why everything matters. You'll love reading the winsome way that author Philip Ryken explores the gospel in the book of Ecclesiastes. His book, titled Why Everything Matters, reminds us that the final message of Ecclesiastes is not that nothing matters, but that everything matters. What we did, how we did it, and why we did it will all have eternal significance. Ask for the book Why Everything Matters when you give $20 or more in support of the ministry of Know the Truth. Donate when you call 888-644-8811 or go to ktt.org. And if you prefer to send a check, write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. I'm Wayne Shepherd signing off for today. Come back tomorrow for a message warning us against chasing pretty bubbles. It's more practical truth from Ecclesiastes, Wednesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. time you could use a pick-me-up, head over to Godvine.com for uplifting and inspirational videos that you'll truly love. Join the millions of Christians from around the world who watch and share Godvine videos each day. They know that Godvine videos are specially chosen to bring joy and share the love of God and the wonder of His creations. For the very best Christian videos, visit us today at Godvine.com. I like to think about gossip and flattery in this way. Gossip is saying something behind someone's back you would never say to their face. But flattery is saying something to someone's face you would probably never say behind their back because you don't believe it's true. A kind word can build up a friend, but you can also go too far with that. This is Focus on the Family Minute, and here's Karen Eman. And I think for me... I have fallen into the trap of flattery. I'm quite a people pleaser. I want people to like me. I don't like to dis... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.